Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Only God is to be worshipped. Angels are not to be worshipped. Now, we went through a whole series many, many years ago. Angels were like everywhere. You went in a shop and there was like a billion angels and whatever. And it came down to actually many people got off into the wrong thing and they started worshipping angels. Now, why? See, angels were created by God. They're not worthy to be worshipped. We don't worship one another. We're created by God. There's only one to be worshipped. Have you ever wondered where angels and demons come from? You picture the stuff that's in the movies with the spiritual realm at battle, angels on one side and demons on the other. But when did they come into being? Have they always been there? A biblical truth to hold on to is that God created all things. God's messengers, the angels, were created by him to do his will. Likewise, demons actually used to be angels created by God, but they chose to disobey him and were cast out of heaven. Today, we take a deeper look at what angels are and what they're not. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 14, for our continuing study entitled, Angels, Demons, and People. are only sent to help Christians. So if you're not a Christian this morning, you have no help from angels. You're in the wrong kingdom. You're in the kingdom of demons. You'll see that next week. Oh, Pastor Mark, I don't believe that. Well, of course not. You're already deceived. And our world doesn't get that. So angels are for Christians. That, that's the side that uh, is the kingdom of God, and they minister to you and me. At, during the tribulation... We're getting close to that. There's a seven-year period, and you see the angels are so powerful in their ministry. You see, the main thing the church does is bring people to Christ and then disciple them. We're to to be on mission. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Well, the angels help that in lots of ways. Take a look at this verse from the book of Revelation. Now, this is during the seven-year tribulation. Watch what happens. John writes, then I saw another angel flying in the midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth who is he going to proclaim the message of the gospel to to every nation tribe language and people see that's the heart of god during the tribulation people are going to go and it could be some of you That you heard all this, you came to church, but you never accepted Christ. And then one day the rapture comes and all the Christians are gone. By the way, this church will be filled with people. But you're going to be here 
can I get the tapes and the DVDs and whatever that Pastor Mark Tucker? Man, this world is gone and I'm, I'm left behind. You see, in that time, God might go, I told you, you didn't accept it, it's over. No, God's a God of grace. So what happens is he sends angels and this angel goes throughout the world proclaiming what? The good news. Jesus paid it all. Get right. Also, 144,000 Jews become born-again believers, and they go out through the world. See, that's the heart of God this morning. Do you understand how much God loves people? That's his heart. So angel will even have that opportunity during the tribulation time. It's God's final call to grace. Now, What kind of things do angels do? I'm going to go through this quickly. It's not a big deal, but you'll see them as you go through the Bible. Number one, they rejoice at our conversion. The Bible says this, that when a person comes to Christ, the angels go, way to go, baby, way to go. I mean, with people coming to Christ all over the world, they're pretty busy, constantly. When you accept Jesus Christ, they know that's amazing because you're going to be in heaven with them. So they rejoice. Number two, They provide physical protection and provision. I'll talk about that in a moment. We see angels all the time protecting. Elisha was an example. They give direction from time to time. Philip was an evangelist. He's in a town and a great revival is going and an angel comes to him and says, hey, go to the desert. Say what? He went to the desert. There was one man, an Ethiopian eunuch who didn't know about Christ. He leads him to the Lord in Ethiopia, became uh, impacted by the gospel. So uh, they assist in answering prayer. You'll see that today big time in our teaching. They deliver words of encouragement. Anybody ever hear a a word of encouragement? I had somebody come to me after the first service. They said, I was praying this morning that I would get a word of encouragement in in the situation, and you gave us two words of encouragement. Hallelujah. See, we need that. And the last one, help in coming to salvation. One day in Caesarea, there was a, a, a soldier, actually a head, and he was Gentile. He had left paganism, and he was trying to find God. So he's praying to God, whatever. And one day, an angel comes to this unbeliever. Remember, I said normally to believers, but he comes to the unbeliever for a reason. And he says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. And here's what I want you to do. Go, go and send your men to get Peter from Joppa. And Peter comes back and gives the gospel to the whole family. The whole family gets saved. They bring all their neighbors in. And all of that took place for one reason. So this man could accept the gospel. Now, sometimes I don't understand God's ways. Anybody out there get confused sometimes by God's ways? Yeah, because God's ways are not our ways. I mean, really. Let's, let's think about it. Okay, God, here's an angel. Why don't you tell the angel to give the message to Cornelius? Here's, here's how to get saved. Jesus came and died for your sin. And I said, let's kneel down right here. He doesn't do that. He sends for Peter. Peter has to travel three days to get here. That's a privilege. See, angels weren't given to take the gospel to your neighbor. You were moved next door to them for that reason. Do you get it? At work, all these new people moving in. Why are they in your place of work? Why are they there? So that we can give them the gospel. Rarely does God use angels. He'll do it in the, in the, in the tribulation period because most Christians are dead. They were killed when they accepted Christ. They're in heaven. So understand, we have this great privilege. Now, here's, here's the big one. We're going to divide the church. You ready for it? Okay. Do Christ followers have a guardian angel? How many believe you have a guardian angel? Okay. How many don't believe you have a guardian angel? Come on, be honest. 
How many don't think at all? Okay, that's good. Well, let me read you a few verses. See that you do not look down on, this is Jesus speaking, I'm one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Psalm 91, 11. For he will command his angels, plural, concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Hebrews 1, 14, we just read it. Therefore, angels, plural, are only servants, spirits sent to care for people. Now, these verses remind us of a couple of things, that God surrounds Christians with angels, a host of angels to protect us, to go before us. I remember, and I don't remember the age, I was probably six or seven or eight or maybe even five, I don't remember, but one day I was with my dad in the car. I was in the back seat. My dad was up front. We were talking back and forth. And uh, I had gum in my mouth, and I was going to throw my gum out the window. So I rolled down the window and threw my gum out. The problem was, it wasn't the window. Uh, it was the car door. And I fell out right on the road, on the cement road. And the car door's open, and my dad's driving for a half mile. He's talking to me. Where's my kid? He's not in the back. So he comes back to get me. Take about five or ten minutes to come back and get me. I'm laying in the street, bang my head, and no car ran over me. Now, I never saw the angel, but I think he had to be close by. I'm thinking he's saying, you stupid kid. I got to travel all the way down here for you. My dad came back, picked me up, took me to the doctor's office. Now, those of you, anybody remember going to the doctor's office? There's no CT. There's no MRI. The doctor looks at me, stick your tongue out. And then, hey, how's your head? A little, little bump there? Okay, big bump there. Well, okay. Uh, you're going to be fine. Just go home. Five bucks, that was it. I remember those days. And I've been perfect ever since. Why are you laughing? I know some of you say, I always wondered what was wrong with you, Balmer. Now we know. You banged your head down there. No, I was supernaturally watched over. I don't know if it was an angel or not. But I do know this. God saved me because he had more for me to do. Relax. You're going to see this over and over in our story. Our times are in God's hands. So, Pastor Margaret, are you going to answer the question? Yes, I am. So, does every Christ follower have a guardian angel? Maybe. That's as good as it's going to get. Over and over here in the Bible, we see many angels. So, I don't know if we have just one. Could be, maybe not. It doesn't really matter. Notice, listen to this psalm. For he will order his angels, plural, to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone or your head on a street. (laughs) Amen. Now, I do know that angels offer protection for all of us. But you can't forget this. Every Christ follower has God the Holy Spirit living inside of them. You see... I don't just have an angel or angels protecting me. They do, encouraging me, being around me. But I have God living inside me. No matter where I go, 
I have God, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at the same time, in you and in me, living in us. Now, what should be our response to angels? What, how do I respond to angels? Let me give you two of these things this morning. Let me read to you first. Don't let Colossians chapter 2, if you want to write it down, verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they've had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. So here in Scripture, we see that the worship of angels is prohibited. It's condemned. John himself, the apostle, on the island of Patmos, when he wrote the book of Revelation, Notice the mistake he made, and he's corrected by it. Revelation 19.10. Then I, John the Apostle, fell down at his feet, the angel who had come to him, to worship him. But he, the angel, said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. Say it with me. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Only God is to be worshipped. Angels are not to be worshipped. Now, we went through a whole series many, many years ago. Angels were like everywhere. You went in a shop and it was like a billion angels and whatever. And it came down to actually many people got off into the wrong thing and they started worshiping angels. Now why? See, angels were created by God. They're not worthy to be worshiped. We don't worship one another. We're created by God. There's only one to be worshiped. Now what I like this angel did is very important. Notice what this angel does. He redirects the worship to who? God only. That's our role. We're not here to make us look good. We're here to make God look good. So when God uses you, we just direct people to God. Only God. You you don't worship a man. You don't bow down to a man. I don't care who the man is or the woman. It doesn't matter. We're just created beings. And only God, our creator, is the one who is to be worshipped. Amen. Now, this one's a little more dicey, but I think it's crystal clear. Here we go. For there is one God... Not many. And one mediator between God and men. Well, who is that go-between? The man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Here's what you want to write down. Let me explain it to you. Not only do we not worship angels, we only worship God. We pray only to God. Through Jesus, we do not pray to angels. Now, that's a big thing. Angels are God's messengers. They do his bidding. In contrast, angels are not our messengers or our go-betweens to God. How many mediators, look at the verse for you, how many mediators are there between God and you and me? How many mediators? Tell me. One. And who is that? Jesus Christ. So when I pray, I go through Jesus because he's at the right hand of the Father to God. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. Did you ever hear Jesus say that? Yes, he did. What did Jesus say? I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. The only way to get to God. So we don't pray through people to God. Only to Jesus. You, you can't come and say, you can ask me to pray for you. I'll be glad to do that. Elders do that on Tuesday nights. But you, I, I'm not the one that's the go-between between you and God. You and I can go directly to the throne of grace. You don't go to a man. Nobody can forgive your sins. Only God can forgive your sins. Can you imagine how busy I'd be if I could forgive your sins? I'd be dead. I know you. God's pretty wise. He knows how stupid I am. We'd all be there. So there's how many mediators between you and God in prayer? How many? Tell me this morning. Don't ever forget it. You don't worship man. You don't worship angels. You don't worship saints. There are no really saints. Actually, we're all saints. But there's nobody special. We're all. Remember what the angel said? I'm nothing but a servant. That's all we are. We're created by God and we're simply his servants. So understand, get, the, get your doctrine right. It's very important. There's only one way to have access to God. That's through the person of Jesus Christ. So these angels are kind of ministering spirits, God's invisible, uh, kind of maybe his invisible secret agents. And they're, they're advancing the kingdom of God and they're advancing Jesus and they're building his church. Now, we're going to look this morning, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 in your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, New Testament, 5 in, Acts 12, 5. And, and then I want your attention, because I'm going to go through this fairly quickly, but I want you to see where we're at. Here we go. We learned last week that when, when Satan fell, he came and he, he tempted Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve failed. But then God came to Adam and Eve and said, you're going to die physically, but you're separated from me, but I'm going to provide a solution for man's sin. And in Genesis 3.15, we have the prediction that Jesus would come. He would come through the line of Israel, Jewish people, Abraham in that lineage, and he would be the solution. And not only would he provide salvation, but it would be the end of Satan. He would cut off his head. It'd be the end. So from that moment on, Satan in the, all the Old Testament tried to keep this Jesus from coming. So Moses, remember, all the babies were killed. Uh, we get to Jesus' time when he comes. What happens? Herod kills all the babies two years and under in Bethlehem. What's he trying to do? What's Satan trying to do? Keep Jesus from coming. It goes all the way. He's, he's failing over and over and over. He goes to the cross. Jesus finally goes to the cross. And we told you last week when he was on the cross and he died for our sins, that Satan threw a party. Yay! I stopped him. The problem is the party only lasted three days. Because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? And now we're partying. Because he destroyed death, Satan, hell, and the grave. But did Satan give up? No, he did not. So where is the warfare? If Jesus already defeated him, and it's over. Where is he warring at today? What, who's involved with this? If you're a Christian this morning, just raise your hand. Just keep your hand up. Just keep it up for a moment. All the campuses. What am I looking at? I'm looking at the church. Not the church in Melbourne or Vieira or Sabah. I'm looking at the church of Jesus Christ. So Satan is after the only thing he can do. Because what is the message of the church? What is the mission of this church? 
to get rich, big, build, build. No, it's to change people's lives for eternity. So if he can impact the church, he hurts the kingdom of God. You got it. So he's after the church. Now watch how this works. He's after CCM. He's after every one of our campuses and all the under wonderful churches that we have in our community that preach the gospel. And he does it in a lot of ways. Specifically, you'll see as we go, he likes to destroy what people think about the word of God. And we see this over and over again. People go, well, you got to change. It's not really like that anymore. Oh, it's, it never changes. It's always like that. So understand he's after you this morning. By the way, it's very personal. He's not only after you, he's after your marriage, he's after your kids, he's after everything. But I don't have to be afraid, even with the demons that we'll talk about next week. You don't have to be afraid, but we have to be wise to the way he works. Now, Acts 12, 5, watch what happens. So Peter, key person in the church, was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, just before this, Herod had already killed James, John's brother. And when the crowd, the religious crowd went, way to go, they put a sword through James. Herod goes, hey, this made me popular. Arrest Peter. They arrest him. And the next morning, Peter is going to die. Now, as one of the major leaders, he's a big leader, James, the brother of Jesus, a different James, was a big leader in the church. What's Satan doing? Kill, steal, and destroy through Herod. Now, with this happening, look at that first verse again. Peter is in prison, but the church was praying. What weapon did a few people in the church, home group, they're praying, they don't have buildings yet, They're praying. What weapon do they have against Herod? Prayer. There's two things we're not good at. Our two main weapons are the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. And the other weapon is prayer. Now, let me read you a verse. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Prayer and the Word of God. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Write this down this morning. Prayer is the deciding factor in spiritual warfare. God designed it that way. So one of the weakest things we are as Christians is in prayer. Some of you have that wonderful gift and you you help us. You bring up the heavyweights. You're fantastic. But most of the church around the world doesn't understand this weapon of prayer. What does prayer mean? It simply means depending on God. Now look at verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Look at me for a moment. How many of you, three hours from your death, in prison, are sleeping? Pastor Mark shared a personal story with us about a time in his own life when God sent an angel to protect him in a car accident. Angels offer protection for all of us, but he also reminded us that all Christ followers have the Holy Spirit living in them no matter where they go. Remember that God is all-knowing and all-powerful. That gives us comfort. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. 
Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reminds us that we're under attack by Satan and his demons. He's after your marriage, your children, and your church. But God is more powerful. God has given us the weapons to defeat Satan. It's called prayer. Prayer is the deciding factor in spiritual warfare, and God answers prayer. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Let us hear your lessons for living.